On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, whenever I talk about goals, whether it's a business goal or a personal goal or any kind of goal that you're holding in your head, that goal has to align with your personal values. Uh, If it does not align with your personal values, you will most likely not accomplish the goal and you will most likely spend a lot of time in internal conflict, uh, you know, that, that can even manifest as like, you know, pain. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf. Featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf. I want to tell you about my guest this week, Frank Oschlager. This guy has been in and around tech for, shoot, I remember what he just said, 20 plus years, probably maybe 30 years. This guy has a has a, a super unique perspective on business, and now he provides consulting services to the tech space. Um, he breaks down so many pieces that literally uh, release tension points as a business is scaling. This is exactly what he does for tech companies all over the world that pay him a ton of money, and he brings it to you today on Gathering the Kings. Grab that pen and paper. Here it comes. All right, guys. Chaz Wolf. I'm back. Gathering the Kings. I've got Frank, bro. Frank, you're gonna have to say your last name for me. So, so this is the Americanized pronunciation of the name, uh, uh, Olschläger. Olschläger. Okay, so tell us where. I mean, just where does that come from? Uh, that's that's German. Uh, okay. Literally translated, it means oil striker. Uh, and and yeah, and so it really comes. The background is uh, that somewhere back in my distant family, uh, they made linseed oil, and so they struck wow. oil out of linseed. So oil striker is. Yeah, literally what it was yeah wow well you're 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 not in oil anymore no. um well first off welcome welcome to the stage welcome to the show thank we appreciate you, you for coming. having me really really happy to be here yeah so so you're not in oil but what what are you in now frank <laughs> <laughs> uh software and and technology yeah so so obviously that means a bunch right and so yeah. i want you to give me a little bit of idea what what is I mean, we'll get into your history, and I know what you're doing currently looks a little different than maybe what you've done in the past, and so that's fantastic. Maybe give us a little variance of understanding there. Okay. But like at today, where you are now, what is it that you're doing inside that industry? Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, me and a couple other guys uh, that have had similar journeys to me uh, have created this, we call it enterprise technology consulting, uh, and it's essentially a hybrid of management consulting and hands-on technology consulting. So a lot of our clients come to us when they are at an inflection point uh, with their product or service, or, you know, sometimes uh, when they have some kind of uh, existential challenge uh, or, or even, you know, there's a market, you know, a life-changing market opportunity that has presented itself, but, you know, they need to do something different right. uh, in order to take advantage of it. Uh, and so we're very project based. We're very outcomes based uh, with our clients. And, you know, we work with companies from startups, uh, usually funded startups, 
uh, all the way through, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, global companies. Uh, so yeah. we work, you know, sort of across a lot of scale. So, you know, my elevator pitch, I'd say, you know, we're, we're full stack and full life cycle. Yeah. And so for, for the guy who's listening or gal, um, who's, you know, most likely at a six figure mark, um, and they're trying to understand, um, the positioning of, of what you offer to some of these big companies. And, and is it anything in the, in the process from, from just getting started to the nitty gritty to how to exit? Uh, or is there specifics in between? Give us an idea of kind of what you'd like to hone in on. Yeah. So what we usually like to, to hone in on is where, uh, there's, there's a problem space that is at the intersection of, uh, some business goal, it might be business advantage, it might be business survival, you know, sure. it might be, you know, uh, hey, here's a new opportunity, we need to go pursue this and and, and see what happens. Uh, and then, you know, we help them take that that business goal, understand what role technology plays in that, you know, how to implement that technology. And then a lot of times, you know, they won't have the resources or the skills to do it, you know, alone internally. Or a lot of times it re- requires change in process. Uh, it requires change sometimes even you know at a at a cultural level, right? So when you're when you're truly right. doing something transformational for a company, you know you just can't go slap in a tool and right. you know, and say okay we're done, right? Uh, right, right. People, unfortunately, people still try that. You know we've watched that fail for right. what forty years now, um, and people are yeah. still trying it. So it, it's sad. So you know what we do is we help them with all of those moving pieces, right? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, I'm an expert in change management. I have taken companies for at $30 million a year that started to go backwards and, you know, help them change and become a hundred million dollar companies in, in like two or three years. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a transformation. And you can't do that if you want to have the same approach to things, if you want right. to have right. know, the same way of doing things the same way of thinking because that's yeah. not that's not going to get you there it's not going to move the needle yeah it's funny that you say that and obviously it's just it's just more zeros but we we talk about that on the show all the time which is maybe just less zeros and going from six to seven figures it's a different way of thinking it's you know you like currently someone listening most likely is in in the warrior stage the grind stage where it's marketing to get new clients sales to sell those clients, uh, fulfillment of fulfilling the project of whatever that project service is, yeah. and then finance of just getting the money organized. And so, and you, and you just repeat, right. As many times as you can, so you get big enough to where you have resources. And now you can start thinking about like your team and a little bit more influence and maybe the next level. And, and so it's kind of the same thing. What you just said is that in order to go to the next level, 30 million to a hundred million, or, you know, 400,000 to 1.2 million or 1.2 million to 5 million, like, it it's a different way of thinking usually it is and and you and you actually said something and i don't know if you intended to but you put your finger right on the heart and, and on the meat of it which is is you need the ability to repeat yeah. right because if you can't repeat it and get the same results then you can't scale it so yeah, if you so want to go if you want to go from 6 to 7 figures and you haven't figured out to take what you're doing to create that six figures and make it repeatable so that somebody else can do it, then you're never going to get to seven figures or eight figures or, right. or nine figures, because ultimately it's, it's going to be fractal. And even while you're rising above the grind, yeah. somebody still has to be building their business inside of what you're doing 
and right. feeling that grind. Because if yeah. nobody's feeling the grind, then you know <laughs> complacency sets in. And say, yeah. that's bad. That's bad for everybody, right? So that grind never goes away. It just moves. Yeah. And having the repeatable process or maybe even systems around those things so that someone else can step into it, um, not only gives it away so that that the owner in this case can move on to the next level, but it also allows for it to be scaled out to a team or even multiple departments or whatever that might look like. So, so much good stuff already. We're only a couple minutes in. Geez, this is, this is, this is great stuff. Okay. So real quick at this level in the game where you've had not only a major amount of success yourself, but now you're helping other companies have huge amounts of success. You said 30 million to hundred million. I mean, that's incredible in the tech space. So what, why? Like, you're you're you've been doing this for a long time like well why still now why why are you here why are you pushing why are like that's 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 a really really great question uh because in you know my background is i'm a product guy you know i okay. spent 25 30 years i don't want to say how long um uh, <laughs> repeatedly building you know b2b software companies uh you know the i including SaaS companies going all the way back to the 90s before it was called SaaS but it, it wasn't application service provider either we actually had uh you know um a, essentially what you would call multi-tenant architecture today uh sure. back back then so you know i've really thought of myself as a, a you know product guy a product innovator you know moving you know, the needle forward, you know, we did geospatial analytics, machine learning stuff uh, in 1998, right? Nobody, nobody cared. Uh, at right. That point, right. But, you know, we were really kind of doing some yeah, different things. And then in um, uh, 2009, uh, when we sold our last company that our last product company that I did uh, to SAP, uh, you know, I just was like, you know, 25 years of, of back-to-back startups is you want to talk about the grind. Um, Seriously. That's why I have, you know, white hair. Thank God. <laughs> um, but uh, so I just, I knew I needed to like take a break and, and step out. And so uh, yeah. a buddy of mine, uh, one of the other partners in, in 10 mile square, which is our, our technology company that I described a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was like, well, you know, why don't you come join us? You know, we're doing these really interesting projects. Um, at the time, uh, they were digitizing Scripps networks, which you might recognize as, um, you know, food network, DIY channel, okay. uh, travel channel, all that sort of stuff. So that was, you know, kind of like cool stuff. And he sold me on the interestingness of the work and, and sort of a work-life balance. And I thought, okay, I'll go give consulting a try for a couple of years. Uh, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm still, still here. I'm still there. And I've absolutely, I've absolutely fallen in, in love with it. You know, if, if I'm, you know, depending on my mood, you know, and uh, stuff like that, you know, I, somebody asked me the question, I might say, well, you know, I used to have all of my own problems that I created myself on a daily basis, but right. now I get to solve other people's and sleep better at night. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So it's, it's kind of a shift in perspective because you can go in and, and you know, not that you don't have co-ownership, you know, when you're working with your client on outcomes, yeah. you absolutely of do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, my business regardless of the state of my client's business, because a lot of times they'll come to me again at these sort of existential challenges, you know, right. Um, right. You know in, in more than one example, you know, a, a CEO has brought me in because, you know, there was an explosion of relationship with, you know, whoever was running, you know, technology and they, they just needed somebody to, 
figure out what was actually going on. And so, you know, you have to come in and, and really deal with, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of different dynamics, but you didn't create them and you don't own how they got there. You know, you're just there to help figure out how to smooth yeah. things out or, or move, move things in the right direction. So it's, a, it's just a really different perspective to be able to come in with. Um, you get to really help people a lot. So, you know, yeah. why I still am passionate about why I really like doing it is I, I get to help a lot of different companies, a lot of different people be more successful. And, and, and I like that, you know, because a lot of times it's, I don't know, you ever watch that, that show, uh, the dog whisperer with that guy, uh, Caesar. Yeah. I've heard, I've, I've heard it. I've actually seen clips of it is really what oh, it is. Okay. So, so the punchline is that there's never a problem with the dog. It's always how the owners of the dog are treating the dog or, or the signals. Are right. Hit, right. Yep. Exactly. Okay. It, it's it's the same, right? You go into these technology companies or, or you know, or these companies that rely on technology and you just got to get them to stop doing the things that are hurting themselves. And, and you know, that can really, really help a lot. And then you can get people that had, you know, maybe a, a bad idea about how to do something and get them on the right path and, yep. and they can start being successful and then they can start learning more. And, and that feels good. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also get to create jobs. I, you know, one of the reasons that I got into being an entrepreneur way back when was because I wanted to be able to create jobs for people. And and I've all, that's been a thread throughout my career. And I still like doing that. And uh, we actually just hired a couple of people at, at our company uh, that are, you know, they've got some good basic, you know, base score skills and, and we're going to grow them into like really good technology experts. So, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. There, there's a rewarding, um, you know, part to, or I may, maybe or a fulfillment part to what you're talking about. It's, it's the legacy play of I've done this so many times and I feel the same way, even though we've been doing it for different lengths of time and we're in completely totally different, different industries. When I can go into someone else's business, first off, it takes a certain mind. So, Congratulations. It's not doesn't mean that you, you're any better. It just means that you've got you've got the ability to see the forest differently, partially because you're outside of it, right? You didn't create the problem, like you said. But then you've got this knack, obviously, uh, with your business or with your minds to, to walk into a business and be able to have a fresh perspective, but yet solution oriented and be able to align all these pieces that to your point, a lot of times are all combobulated. What I heard in there um, that I really want to point out to the to the listener. Because I think it's so important, again, with with the, the majority of the listener right now at being six figures, trying to get to the seven-figure mark, they feel all over the place, right? They feel chaotic. They feel like they're wearing a bunch of hats. They're stressed to the max. And what you just said at the five, 10, $100 million mark is that you've got this CEO who's stressed, head spinning like crazy because he just had this issue in the business. And that's when you get brought in is under the under the pressure or the stress of, ah, Ah, I can't figure it out, right? And so even though they're doing a lot more revenue and maybe they're thinking differently, I'm sure that they are at that level, but the reality of it is that problems still exist and mm-hmm. and, and, <laughs> and and oftentimes need um, outside help. And so I just think that's such a good perspective to know at a, at a small business because if you know that the guys, you know, at the bigger players are, are dealing with the same stuff, then you can look at, well, what do they do to fix it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you not know, trying to run from it. And, and when you're a smaller business, you know, you, you might think, uh, you know, I don't have the ability to get the, those kind of resources. 
to, to help me, right? But there, you know, companies like mine and, and dozens of others, we, you know, we know how to scale our services back to, to not break your wallet and still yield effective results, right? Yeah. And it just, you know, it means you have to be a lot more focused and, and, you, and you might have to go a little slower than you want, you know, um, but if, you know, you can still help. The other thing I would say to especially six-figure business owners is use use your local resources. So, for example, um, I, I live in Virginia, but I, I work with a program in Virginia called the Maryland Tech Council, and they have this thing called the Venture Mentor Services. So you, you have to be invited in, sort of nominated to be a, a mentor, and, and you get a little bit of special training. And, and so it's a cadre of, of people who have, you know, been through the grind a few times, you know, have demonstrated that they know what a successful pathway looks like. And, and then we help in turn uh, companies in, in Maryland that apply, that need mentors. And, you know, a lot of these companies are trying to get, you know, to their first million in, in right. revenue. Some of them yeah. haven't even figured out how to get revenue yet, right? You know, they put their product <laughs> yeah. out there and they're like, how do I get somebody to pay for this, right? Yeah. And so we go in on a, on a volunteer basis, a pro bono basis, and and we use a team mentoring approach and really help these, these companies, you know, get going. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, I like doing that too, because that's another way to give back. And, and it keeps me really plugged into what's going on, you know, innovatively. Um, yeah. Kind of companies are being born. What what ideas are people thinking about? And you know, not that I would ever use that uh, for anything other than just you know learning. You know what yeah. the trends and patterns are. Yeah, exactly. Trends and patterns. It's everything, especially when you're working in an industry from a high perspective in lots of different places. Um, it, it's funny that you say actually said two things. I want to kind of maybe circle in on number one. I mean, that's fantastic that you have that in your area. You know, if someone doesn't have that in their area, there's going to be you know, small business administration division, uh, help center, most likely in their city that they can get like, you know, help up with a business plan. They can help with some marketing ideas. Um, there's obviously individual business coaches, there's local chapters that they can meet people and try to take people to lunch. I just think of edible arrangements, my first business that I bought. And I was like, okay, who are the top three guys? What are the phone numbers? And I called them, Hey, they're across the country. I couldn't take them to lunch, but I'm like, Hey, when, when the convention comes, I want to buy you dinner and I would just want to, and I, and I would bring my notepad. Right. And I wrote, I wrote down all the things that they had done and, and that worked and didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple <laughs> as that, right? Yeah. So no, you're saying right. getting around other people. Getting around um, other people. And, you know, I think networking coaches, uh, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, mastermind groups, all these things are resources, um, yep. you know, and, and different ones work different ways. There's, there's free ones, there's low cost ones, there's invitation only ones. Right. Uh, you gotta, you gotta look at your own business, your own situation. Uh, you know, what's, what's the cohort look like, um, right. in the group, you know, is it a good cohort for you? You know, uh, you right. gotta evaluate all that stuff. Yeah. I love that perspective of, of making it purposeful. I, I want to get your initial thought on this because I had um, a situation here this past week where, and this isn't the first time this has ever happened, but I had someone um, in a conversation talking about an investment, personal uh, development investment, and I was just chatting with them about it. And it was the most that they had ever spent in this regard, right? And this option for for um, this guy's business, it was a little bit abstract. Like the result was 
you know, maybe you meet some people, maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you, you know, like it's, it's a little bit of like, okay, well, if I go to that thing that you just told me about in Maryland, or if I go to the SBA, like, what am I going to get? And you're like, well, you're going to meet somebody and you're going to connect with them and you're going to take them to lunch. And I don't know what they're going to tell you. Like I just talked about with the edible arrangements guys, but you're going to at least know someone that you didn't know before and some things that you didn't know before. But my, my point here, my question for you is this, is that in the tech space, especially when we're talking about like, you know, going from 30 to hundred million, just such bigger numbers. Does it apply that when you make a scary decision and that could be bringing you guys in at maybe a large investment or at a CEO level investment, like, do you see it apply to the individual thinking or the business thinking that when a scary investment is made, then it's like, even though that was scary, it's exactly what we needed because it like literally pushed us into making it happen. Like, is this making sense? Is this my question make sense? Yeah, no. And it's funny because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of psychology, uh, you know, that, that goes into the kind of work that I do that I, you know, specialize in because it is very, change is scary. Change is scary for everybody. Even, even the people who have to pull the trigger, you know, and, and often the change and, and bless it. And, you know, I don't really make it less scary for them up front because I will. So if you're a CEO and and you're telling me, you know, Hey, I, I want to do a, a full agile transformation, you know, across, across my whole company, you know, help me figure out how to make that happen. And then, you know, use your, you know, trained resources and and come in and and work with us and make it happen. The first thing that I will tell them is this is not a set and forget exercise. You have to be actively part and actively vocal of that transformation yourself because, you know, change is a thing that requires not only active resistance against entropy, you're actually trying to move the, the needle in a different direction. So, you know, basic physics, right? If you have to pour more energy into the system than it's currently consuming, right? Yeah. And you have to do that for a while. Yeah. So, you know, more than you think. <laughs> a lot more than you think, right? So this is not, you know, you're going to send out an email for a couple of weeks <laughs> reminding people there's an agile transformation going hey on. Hey guys, we're transitioning everything. <laughs> right. You know, um, so, you know, I, I, I actually, I want them to not be scared of the change. I, I want them to be thoughtful and intentional about what they need to do personally to make that change have a ch- any chance of of success. And I think, you know, even though it's daunting at first because they thought they could just say thou shalt be agile and right. and it will happen, you know, they realize it's a much different proposition than that, but yeah. that knowledge also arms them, right? Because now they have a mental map in their head for how the company is going to move from A to B. Whereas when they were in the declarative mode, you know, there's no map, mental map for that, right? They, yeah, yeah. they see now and they have a state there. Everything in the middle is a fog. Right. That makes the change scary because they don't understand how it moves from, from A to B. But if so, you can walk them through that, but you have to get them to make that map connection. You can't just draw the map for them, right? You just, right. You know, you, right. you know, you have to be part of this and, you know, you have to breathe energy into that. And, you know, this is, and, and they build that map themselves and, and that's the psychology. You know? Yeah, no, it's huge. Um, I, in fact, earlier when you said uh, that you were the change, uh, I can't remember exactly the title that you used, but the change agent in essence, uh, 
you're right. It's so much um, thought process and mindset that goes in top down, all like literally from the top down. And and even just applying this again to our listeners who are most likely six figures, it's like, you know, maybe it's just them and one or two other guys. But the standard, the standard of operation, the process that we do things, whether they're repeatable or not, like all this ties together, does it not? Like we're, if I'm going to hand this off, it's got to start with me, whether it's changing or whether I'm just literally building it from ground zero. The ownership piece that you're talking about can't just be, well, here, here you go. Um, you go. Yeah. So here's, here's a real world example uh, for you, for somebody who's at a six figure level, right? And, you know, you've been building based what's essentially, you know, a B to C or maybe even like an expert to consumer, you know, kind of business model. Yep. And, you know, that, that scales to a certain point and, you know, maybe you figured out how to make it repeatable. And so now you're going to put a platform around it. You start building a platform around it and, and you're showing some, some people and there's some interest. And suddenly a fortune 500 company calls you and says, Hey, some of our people started using this. Uh, we would just want to get an enterprise license. Um, and it needs to integrate seamlessly, you know, with our, with our HR system. So here I am. <laughs> I can imagine the, the guy getting the phone call on that end who's six figures. And he just, he probably just, you know, soiled himself. <laughs> right. So, but you know, here's, here's the reality, right? You know, you're working on this with, with probably everything you've got, you know, you yeah. have a part-time developer that you hired off of, you know, guru.com or, or whatever, who's not right. vested in anything, you know, other, other than their, you know, hourly, hourly rate for, you know, checking in code that, you know, it's doing what you want as, as it evolves, you know, under right. your tutelage, because you, you didn't really have a master product plan anyway, because this is evolving as you go. Right. So, you know, what do you do? I mean, because to, to solve the need of this big company, you know, you're going to have to throw, you know, two, $300,000 at this product right now. Yep. And string them along for a month or two months while you actually, you know, build it build what you know the things they need and they and they need to know and not really string them along but you know say yeah. you know hey you know we didn't build this as an enterprise product you know the hr integration is going to take you know this and blah 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 and, and you work all that now but you know this is a business model change you know this is this is a complete you know essentially left turn you know from yeah. where from where you were going yeah so you know if if you were building this you know because you have some purpose some mission you know that that you were you know trying to create you know say equity for a class of people you know by creating this app that you know does whatever it does selling to a major corporation so that you know they can check an esg box on on their hr checklists you know right right is that, is that still fulfill your mission right you know right. what are you going to do about that how do you weigh those opportunities these are the things that that make these kinds of decisions scary and it can happen. And, and, and so the reason I'm telling the story is it can happen at any level. You don't have to be a 10 or a hundred or, or a billion dollar company to have uh, life altering choices put in, in your path. You know, they yeah. can happen anytime. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And, and I mean, I think if we're all honest, like a lot of these, especially for the entrepreneur who's got a lot of ideas, <laughs> sometimes this could be, this could be daily. So how do you determine or how have you seen other successful um, CEOs that you've worked with determine what's just an idea or in this case, you know, an enterprise level, something that came to us? It's a real opportunity. It's not a quote unquote idea, 
but it's a distraction. Like, how do you, how do you eliminate distraction versus, wow, this is something that we hadn't thought of. This is a left turn, but, but if we go down this route, it does fill our mission. It does make us more money. It does create more jobs, like whatever that checklist is. But how, how do you, how do you in that moment do that decision? So, I mean, you know, from, from a pure business sense, you know, the, the first question is, does this advance my current goal, my current priority, right? And, and for a lot of small businesses, the current goal or the, or the current priority is, you know, uh, grow revenue, right? You know, add, add top line sales. And, and that's, you know, really, that's a driver for, for a lot of small, small businesses. You know, some of them get to a point where the priority shifts and becomes, you know, deliver on commitments <laughs> because right. they were got so busy selling and got so good at that. They, they forgot to map out, you know, the execution uh, so that they could <laughs> do it well for everybody. Right. So the early right. customers that went, oh, these people are awesome, you know, then translated to the next level of customers that are like, they never show up. Right. right. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, you, you got to kind of you got to kind of keep that balance, right? So priorities in business change, and and so you have to evaluate any given opportunity in terms of does it advance that goal? Does it detract from that goal? Does it put that goal at risk? Does it support that goal? Because everything has to be baked around that. The other thing that I would say, because whenever I talk about goals, whether it's a business goal or a personal goal or any kind of goal that you're holding in your head, that goal has to align with your personal values. Uh, if it does not align with your personal values, you will most likely not accomplish the goal and you will most likely spend a lot of time in internal conflict, uh, you know, that, that can even manifest as like, you know, pain, uh, yeah. you know, physical pain in your body um, because you're fighting against yourself um, by trying yeah. to accomplish it. And to the you, core. Yeah, to the core. And if you do somehow manage to pull it off, then you're just going to be really miserable. <laughs> yeah. Or it's something that uh, your core needs to change, right? So your identity has to change in that regard, if it's going to be, you know, to your point, successful. And obviously, um, James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits. Like you have to, you actually have to make habits based on your identity, which is exactly what you're saying. Because if it, <laughs> you can, you can routinely do something, but if it's against your core beliefs of who you are or your identity, good luck. It, yeah. 21 days, 75 days, 75, it doesn't matter. Um, no, that's a, that's such good, um, insight there. I hope that the listener is writing some stuff down because in essence, what, what he was just giving you is the exact formula to make good decisions. And so you have to align it with not only what is the, what is the goal here, but then who are you? Like, what is, does it align with who you are as an individual, as the business owner? Um, and we talk about this when we talk about just transition from warrior to King, because a warrior is worried about the business or worried about the, the battle only. The king has to worry about all these other things and, and worry, I say lightly, but has the responsibility or has the pleasure of worrying about all these other things, right? And so you have to be able to make sure that those things align with who you are because there's other people probably writing on that, that decision. So let's flip the coin here, Frank. Let's talk about a bad decision. You didn't give us an exact quote unquote, good decision that you made, but you gave us the process. And I love, I love that. So if we flip the coin, give us an example of a bad decision that you've made in business that the listener could hear and be like, Oh, okay, let me steer clear of that. Yeah. So that's, uh, I have one, uh, this is a great one for you. So we were, we were a enterprise software company, um, basically delivering our, this is still selling in sort of enterprise software. So we delivered our software to our clients and it, and it ran, on a computer in, in their local data center. And, and the reason is because it was uh, 
sort of a real-time data integration product, right? So okay. it needs kind of local access and it moved data around all willy-nilly, um, not like other products used to do it back in, this, in those days. Okay. So uh, we sold our, our product uh, to a company that wanted to use it for something completely different than what we designed it to do. So we sold it outside of product market fit. So here's the TLDR. Uh, worst decision ever made, uh, a decision I would warn every business uh, owner not to make, is don't sell your product or your service out of your established product market fit, right? Unless you've got a really good trust relationship with that customer and they know that, that that's the case and, and it's, it's going to be impacted, right? So, right. you know, so our, our sales team sold the product to this, this company to support a use case that we did not support out, out of the box. And so we committed to them uh, to modify our product uh, to do that. Uh, by the second or third week in, into the project of working with them, it became pretty obvious that there was a lot of pretty toxic internal politics going on around okay. this, what this project was, was part of Got it. inside. And on our first iteration delivery to the client, because we were doing this iteratively, we were trying to adapt the product, you know, with, with feedback, right. You know, yeah. very agile process, you know, that people would expect. And on the first iteration that we delivered to them, they basically slammed it nine ways to, to Sunday and and listed all of the features that hadn't been implemented yet, which weren't even scheduled to be implemented yet. Right. It's version and, one. <laughs> but, but basically said that we had delivered something un, unworkable and they were going to terminate the contract and um, they were they were going to sue us for a full refund of the money they'd already paid us. So that wasn't a, a good position to be in. You know, our team, my entire product team, the entire engineering team were completely demoralized yeah. uh, because they they delivered exactly what they had signed up to deliver, right? right. And right. thought they had done a good job on it and they did do a good job on it, but there was not going to be any successful outcome with that client in, in any shape right. or, or way. So, you know, my big lesson, my big takeaway is you know, don't sell your product outside of your established product market fit. Um, now, I think, Frank, probably uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys, the sales team, you're, you allowed the sales team to do it because going back to what you just said on a good decision is top line revenue, right? Like, hey, this revenue. is a deal. <laughs> we chased, we, yeah, so we were still, we were still trying to establish a foothold in, in the market. Uh, yep. you know, we, we hadn't really figured out a repeatable sales cycle yet. We were bleeding cash. We needed money, you know, yep. all the things. And oh, yeah. yeah, that's major that's, vulnerable. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why we did it. And, and, you know, we thought we could pull it off. Right. Um, but, you know, we obviously didn't. And, and so earlier when you said you're, you're selling, let's say B2C and you, and you have a client who heard about the B2C and they say, Hey, we want to buy an enterprise level, right. same product, same usage you make that pivot or even investment of time and resources to go after that sale. But over here, basically you're saying like, it's so far out of the realm of what our target market was or our avatar. And so that's why it was a bad decision. Yeah. So that's a very good thing. I'm glad you, you kind of revisited that because I don't want people to get confused. So in the first one where there's a pivot, A, there's a pivot involved and it's a pivot in business model, but the use case is largely the same. 
right? The yep. it's just who's paying for it, who's buying it, you know, who's actually what size, what governing, scale. what what scale it is, right? You know, right. Um, but you know what the app fundamentally does for the people using it doesn't change. You know how it's governed, how it's delivered. You know, maybe that changes. Right. Um, and in our in our case where we made that mistake, it was you know we solved. Uh, a, a set of very specific data integration challenges. And what this customer wanted to do had nothing to do with any of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why, why did they want you? <laughs> so I, you know, I, well, so I think at the time, so what they wanted to do, there was no product on the market that, that could have done that. And sure. I think even today, there's there's probably only one or two that that could really address what they were trying to do. Yeah. They and, didn't want to invest the money to build out their own product. They wanted to take the bits of right. what you had and try to create something, which, to your point, is just left field and and shiny object syndrome. And 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 unfortunately, the circumstances were right, and you got suckered in. <laughs> yeah, and we and and we did. And you know, if they had in you know, if the relationship with them had been different, you know, over time, I think you know we could have adapted what we were doing for them, but that still wouldn't have changed the fact that it was a complete one-off, right? I think in the history of technology, you know, maybe what they needed to do has been done three or four times. Sure. So there's no market there, right? So it was just bad decision all the way. In hindsight, you know, you can just- It's super clear. All the flags were there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, which I think is super authentic, right? Because like we all, as entrepreneurs, go through this whether we're in a tight spot like you guys were, where we're kind of clouded our judgment or we're making good decisions and we get to just get too excited about something that, that we probably shouldn't have. Uh, we get a little too boastful around our growth, around our resources coming in. We get, we get a little miscalculated. It happens all the time. So I think it's super um, authentic for the listener to be able to understand that this happens. You just got to try to you know, learn as you go. It doesn't mean that you just make all these decisions and say, hey, I made a bunch of bad decisions. Obviously, we learn from them, but but we want to be tactical. We want to go back to what you said as far as, okay, does this align with our business goals? Okay, great. Does it align with who I am individually as a CEO, as an, as the owner? Does it align with what our company mission is? And if those three things are hit, then obviously there's some more there's more details usually in a decision. But man, that's a great place to start. Yeah, it is. Because um, it's really, really hard to say no to money, especially when you're when you're in the grind and you're struggling for survival or you're or but, you know, maybe you're right on the edge of that break even and you know you're like, yeah, I just want to hit that, you know. But you know, sometimes it's the right call. Sometimes saying no to money is actually the thing that will let you survive to fight another day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, I enjoy it. It's so weird to me, but it's like finding a client that isn't the right fit. It's like the, I'm the first one to be like, Hey, you know what? Let me back out because no, because I got too many things going on. I got too many companies, too many decisions, too many, um, you know, flows or irons in the fire that I can't have this one mistake. Now it doesn't mean that I don't make bad decisions because we all do, but you know, if you can, if you can embrace what you just said, which is be able to basically step away from the deal. I learned that negotiation. You got to be always willing to walk away always. Otherwise, you're going to be influenced to make sticky decisions out of necessity. Right. Okay, let's do the speed round um, here, Frank. I'm curious to know some of your answers on these. From your perspective, obviously, technology might be a little different. But generally speaking, in all of the companies that you've owned, been a part of, or consulted with, if you could just windle all of them down into one metric that you would track forever and ever, what would it be? Cash flow. 
cash is always king 100% of the time. You either make money or you have no business. <laughs> or you're a you got a you you broke hobby. <laughs> right? You're making money or you're a charity, right? You know, those are your two options. That's right. Cut and dry. Okay, so what book would you recommend a six-figure earner read trying to get to the seven-figure mark? A book that I would read anybody who's trying to build a business of any kind uh, is called The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. And, okay. and uh, he, Ben Horowitz, uh, it, it, of you know, of Andreessen Horowitz, uh, you know, the A to Z, uh, you know, Capital out in, in Silicon Valley. He, he started a, a network monitoring, you know, kind of company way back in the beginning of the, of the dot-com boom. The reason I like his book uh, more than any other business book is because in every other business book written, they say the same eight or 11 things. They just have sure, their sure. own way of saying it. And most yep. of them talk about what things look like on the happy path. Most of them talk about, you know, things, you know, to do when, when you want to scale and, you know, or, you know, again, you know, the positive, successful, you know, rosy look at things. Right. Ben talks about everything he did wrong and you know how he got there and you know in hindsight what would have been a better way to handle it and i learned more from that one book than i think i've read from than i from every single other management leadership self-improvement book i've ever read yeah wow uh if if there's ever been a book promo frank (laughs) i know right (laughs) you just gave it (laughs) i know it's Uh, just uh, yeah it's it's incredible it's books that really changed the way i thought about startups yeah, I love it. I think that's uh, super applicable. Um, okay, and we kind of talked about this earlier with with uh, mastermind groups and stuff like that. But do you intentionally network? Are you part yeah. of any groups, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, I'm trying to to build uh, a new in person group now that people are the weather's starting to warm up and people are, are willing to go out. Uh, yeah. You know, we can meet. You know, there's a, a a great little coffee shop down the down the road here, and uh, they have nice outdoor seating and nice. It's, you know, partially covered. So, you know, I think people will be willing to do that at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, what yeah. I found is that, you know, tighter knit social people, you know, groups are willing to get together indoors, but you know, the, the random, you know, person, you know, on LinkedIn is is still like, well, can we meet at a coffee shop outside somewhere? <laughs> so I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to kind of coalesce these two things and, and, and yeah. put a new group of people together um, that come from a variety of perspectives and, in you know essentially what I will call the the specialized service provider you know ring, which is how I sure. would classify kind of what we're doing right now. Um, so kind of an ad hoc you know inv- invite only kind of mastermind you know group where we can help each other. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned the the mentoring that I do. Um, I'm also part of a uh, right. uh, sort of a more ninja group that's a business continuity task force um, within the. Um, you know, Maryland Tech Council. Yeah. So we help we help people there. Uh, and that kind of resonates a little bit with my day job anyway, because these people are in the crisis of keeping their revenue streams alive. So a lot of yeah. companies got hit very, very hard when quarantine came, uh, you know, COVID, you know, business models had to change. Uh, and we think, yeah. you know, mostly about, you know, frontline workers, you know, the service industries being the most impacted, uh, and they were horribly impacted. I don't mean to take away from them at all, but you know, software companies that support retail outlets uh, right. on a SaaS basis, you know, also got impacted pretty hard and, and essentially had to reinvent themselves overnight. 
Yep. So, you know, if you are, for example, the, you know, office management and scheduling system for, you know, a doctor's offices and you're delivered, you know, from the cloud and, you know, suddenly, you know, they don't have 10 people using their software every day anymore. You know, they need right. you know, one license, you know, or maybe yep. maybe you got cute and you charged, you know, a per appointment, you know, fee as opposed right. to be and, you know, they went from. 80 appointments, you know, a week to two appointments a week. Right. Yeah, yeah. A huge, you know, huge change. Right. So, you know, it kind of, it rippled throughout the whole ecosystem. And and so, you know, we help a lot of those companies figure out how to survive, you know, when they're, the whole entire basis of their revenue stream just went away. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Last question, Frank. If you lost it all, if you, if you, if you didn't have, you know, your consulting business now, what would you do? Like if you lost it all, just all clients are gone. Nobody call tomorrow. <laughs> what would you do? I would take one of the five ideas I, a week that I have that I jot down, but aren't prioritized to do anything with. And sure. I would build a product or a company around it. I just start go. over. Why not? If I've lost everything, I've got nothing left to lose. So right. just go for it. You know, take the best idea and and run with it. You know, I've done it before. I can do it again. That's right. That's right. The, the the startup world can can come back again. That's right, Frank. You've been you've been such a, a value of you know for the listener today and and for me. Um, I think that uh, we've had some great conversation here. And so, how can someone connect with you um, if they've resonated with just the things that you've shared, or maybe maybe they have a hundred million dollar company they're looking to go to two hundred, or they need some change agents. How can they reach you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple e- the easiest way is to email me, uh, frank at 10milesquare.com. Uh, you can check out my bio on LinkedIn. Uh, you can look me up, uh, Frank Olschlager. Uh, I think it'll be spelled somewhere, so I don't have to do it here. Uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, you can also go to our website, uh, 10milesquare.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Devant Think. Um, uh, Devant, by the way, is an old Walloon word, um, which mm-hmm. means to uh, lead the edge of. Ooh, so uh, that's love that's, it. That's my handle. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love like it. To, I like to think that I'm thinking out on the leading edge of things. At least. <laughs> well, and and if somebody's not, then they're not going to have a clue what that means. So <laughs> you know, you're you're bringing in your ideal market, right? <laughs> um, and and because I'm absolutely shameless, I also have to plug. You may notice I'm sitting in a music studio here. I did uh, notice. You, you can also uh, find my music uh, at frankolschlager.com. Love it. Uh, or you can look me up on Spotify or Apple or Amazon Music or, or anywhere else that you want. And uh, I've got a, a new project right now called Null Hypothesis. We're recording an album. Uh, so look for that before the end of the year. That's awesome. Yeah, I noticed the guitars in the corner and um and thought there's got to be there's got to be a reason. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um well, I hope that the listener took good notes today. Frank, you gave them um more than than uh than what I told them they were going to get. And so that's, that's fantastic. Great. I appreciate that. Love over delivering. So, best of luck in in not only just the projects that you got going on, but in your music. I love to hear that. And so, uh thank you again for being on the show, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. 
What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.